This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is how retail brands need to approach opportunities in the metaverse. Here to speak with me is Dan Wallace-Brewster, who's the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Scalefast, an end-to-end digital commerce solution provider. Dan is a pioneer in the development of digital marketing and e-commerce for global entertainment and consumer brands. Through the planning and execution of digital strategies over 20 years, Dan and his teams have repeatedly driven market-beating growth in sales of events, travel, home goods, and apparel, among other categories. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Now, Dan, before we explore today's topics, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in your career and how did you end up at the point where you are? Yeah, it's been an interesting path. I started my career actually in sports marketing and it happened to coincide with the development of ticket sales online. I was a big part of installing the platforms to be able to sell tickets and merchandise for sports teams. Uh, and eventually I figured out that I wasn't in the, t- in the sports business anymore. I was in the e-commerce business. So I've worked with uh, GSI Commerce and eBay in my career uh, and, and, and really worked with every kind of brand from a big box retailer to a brand and manufacturer premium apparel. Uh, and so I've, I've really built a good understanding of what brands and, and, and retailers need uh, from an e-commerce ecosystem to be successful. Now, today's topic is about the metaverse. Um, it's, it's something that you see on your screen, whether you're targeted by ads, buy a digital property, um, or, or Facebook talks about it. In your own words, then, what is the metaverse? Well, it's been quite the uh, buzzworthy word lately, uh, but it's really existed for a long time. And it's uh, the artificial existence of people and things in in a virtual world. Uh, Lately, brands have been more involved and uh, certainly a brand like Facebook or now called Meta, deciding that they want to get invested in it creates a critical mass of users uh, or customers who are willing to spend time in that type of, of virtual reality. And when there's that critical mass, you've got customers. And where customers are, brands want to be. So we've seen a lot of investments from name brands, uh, international luxury brands like Gucci, Chanel, uh, Nike, that uh, are investing very heavily in what the metaverse is and what it could be. Interesting. Now, another word or abbreviation that, that is thrown around a lot are NFTs. Can you explain where NFTs and virtual goods actually fall in the metaverse? Yeah. So for a long time, the publishers or the, the, the really it's been gaming publishers that uh, created the metaverse. Uh, they um, have built currencies and exchange um, worlds in which uh, creators can build their own products, which are usually games that people buy and invest those currencies in. 
And as they've done that, there have been products that you can't touch, feel, smell, that uh, those currencies are exchanged for. Um, Usually it's a skin or a uniform or a costume that a customer or uh, the player can use in that uh, universe. And that has really translated into a great deal of money for those publishers. And what we're seeing is that uh, that has created user adoption, acceptance uh, at a level that's never been seen before. And I think a great example is when my you know, 10-year-old came to me a couple of years ago and he said, you know, Dad, I, I want $50 for Robux. I laughed at him. I was like, so what? You can buy something that you'll never touch, feel, or smell? Didn't make any sense to my mind. And um, over the last couple of years, I've, I've, I've learned more about the metaverse and how virtual products can gain value and, and, and have a tangible value to customers or players in the, in the real world. Um, and I'm more accepting of it. My, I've, I've evolved on the topic, you might say. So as I've done that, the guy who has the money in the, the household is more willing to pay money, pay real greenbacks into the metaverse to, for a virtual currency that's exchanged for virtual goods. And now that that customer base is there, there is this expansive opportunity for retail to take advantage of it. And so virtual products were really the first step. And then along came NFTs. And NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are the, I would say, a virtual attachment uh, or virtual equivalency of things that you find in the real world. Um, This has, to date, been works of art. Um, It could be video or or an image or music, a piece of music. Um, things that are uniquely identifiable. And NFTs became a path to transacting or changing ownership of those creative works. And the secondary market or the exchange of these NFTs has really created a lot of buzz because the, the, I guess, appreciation for a lot of these early entrepreneurs uh, has been eye-popping. I mean, you have stories of 16-year-olds uh, becoming millionaires almost overnight uh, with very, I would say, pedestrian works of art. Uh, but so you can ex- you can only think about what a masterpiece would create uh, in the virtual space. And now you're seeing NFTs attached to pieces of real estate or stars or planets or other things that you would have thought there would have been no ownership value of, but in a virtual space or the metaverse, there is literally no limit to what can be bought and sold as long as the platform respects the ownership and the license to that thing that is bought or sold. And that's where we're finding the challenges. You need universal recognition of ownership for anything to truly be owned. Interesting. Interesting. Now, for for companies like Nike to start investing in the metaverse and, and kind of paying attention to it, something must have changed. So is, is, is the fact that more and more people move to the metaverse the only reason why all of a sudden these, these big brands are going there or are there other reasons? 
I think there always has to be early adoption. And Nike has actually been a very early adopter in the virtual world. They've seen the potential. And I think it's been accelerated by COVID and and supply chain problems. Um, The harder it is to access physical goods, um, the less people go out and experience the, the physical world the more appreciation they get for uh, things that they can access from their sofa. And certainly in Nike's uh, space, that is very meaningful because they, they, they benefit from people being very active and being out in the world. It's, it's core to their brand. But if you talked to a, mar- a marketing executive at Nike and said your total addressable market was all the runners in the world or all the people who are actively exercising in the world, they would say, okay, uh, you know, that's maybe 40% of the addressable market. And then add all of the people who aren't active, who don't run, who would normally not wear Nikes, but you can create a, a Nike branded skin in a game of Fortnite and make just as much money or sell it for just as much money at an infinitely higher profit and also extend our brand. That's going to be pretty appealing to those marketing executives and the operations company and the CFO, everybody uh, who's involved in, in that organization and that corporation is going to be excited by that. It's pure profit, to be honest. Now, everything I say today is, is certainly not an advocacy for this path. Um, I think there's a lot to be concerned about as we move in this direction, but we're in the wild, wild west, the really uh, undefined stage. So, you know, all the possibilities, good and bad, are still out there. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned, obviously, monetization. Uh, you mentioned brand awareness and probably connecting with, with a target audience. What Are those the only opportunities for retail in the metaverse or are there others that we even haven't talked about? There are products we haven't even conceived that are opportunities in the metaverse. Um, certainly the easiest first step to comprehend is the thing that we can see right now in front of us, uh, a Gucci handbag, for example, and that has an intrinsic value, both on the primary and the resale market to a luxury customer. But in a virtual world, two things happen. One, you can reach a much broader audience. That Gucci handbag in a virtual world may only cost $400 instead of $4,000 because it was never manufactured. There's no cost of distribution. That's a choice, a business choice that the company would make. Or they could charge $4,000 for it. They could charge the same amount as it in in the real world. But there are products or things that you could associate with. I, I think a great example is experiences. So I came from the athletic, the sports marketing space. And experiences used to be associated to a ticket stub. And now ticket stubs have gone away. No one uses ticket stubs anymore. Your ticket is on your phone. And there's been a missing piece for the fan, uh, something that allows them to remember that date. Uh, now there are things that can be tied to your seat in that arena on that particular date and time that can be re-experienced through a virtual world, you know, and, and linked with an NFT in the blockchain. And 
you could continue to re-experience that over time. In fact, that experience could then be resold on an exchange and appreciate over time. So if you saw something historic uh, that was rare, then your experience sitting in that seat in that arena on that date and that time can be resold to somebody who wasn't there and would have a, an intrinsic value. This is something that doesn't exist today. So the sponsor of that event, the sponsor of the building, the uh, whoever wants to sponsor the distribution of those NFTs, um, for the team, all of these things are, are product categories and inventory that is not currently categorized in today's retail world, but could be soon. Really interesting. Now, when I think about the metaverse, and you said it earlier, I just think about gamers, right? It fits nicely with, you know, Nike shoes or some Nike apparel to dress your basketball player in, in a, in a, you know, well-known NBA PlayStation franchise series. Um, that all makes sense to me. But what is known about the customers beyond the gamers? Are there, are there other people that, that would be interested in, in what you just explained and beyond that? Yes. I mean, I, I think that Meta's investment in the metaverse has uh, really opened the eyes of the non-gaming consumer base into what it could mean. Uh, both negative and positive. Uh, and I, I think that there has always been a desire for people to communicate across long distances and channels, and they do it through games today uh, and through social media. Uh, but one could imagine that uh, a world where you could go to a concert with a million other people has appeal as well. Um, and that has nothing to do with games, but, you know, although that, that concept was introduced in a gaming platform like Fortnite, it's something you could see becoming its own industry. And those social events or, or a virtual experience will attract people with the same interests, just like the real world does. And in so doing, you're going to expand farther and farther out of a, a gaming paradigm and into the true nature of a metaverse, which is uh, an artificial reality. And because the internet and technology is expanding so quickly, um, the barriers between people that are, exist today, like geography, for example, or, or even socioeconomic classes, will virtually drift away because the technology brings people together is no longer, you know, people no longer have the limits that, that keep them where they are today, uh, at least virtually. <laughs> Physically, yeah. they're still on their couch. Yeah. And you yeah. can certainly argue that that is not a good thing. Yeah. Now, when we talk about this, one thing comes to mind, which is um, Second Life. I don't know if you remember that. It was like early 2000s, like this, this virtual environment where in the beginning, a number of people went to and was kind of hailed as the new thing to engage with people from social perspective, make money, et cetera, et cetera. What has changed since then, since this platform Second Life and there were a few others were, were kind of out there to now? Yeah, I think Second Life still has a couple million diehards uh, still <laughs> on that platform. 
still exists today uh, is, is the development of hardware, both networks like 5G networks, the continued evolution of mobile phones, which are usually the tether required to get to the metaverse from uh, an Oculus, from the Oculus goggles, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things have become less clumsy and and sleeker. I mean, everyone made fun of Google for the Google Glass a few years ago, the, the little glasses where you had a little screen and it just looked dorky, right? But now you look at the kid wearing an Oculus goggles and they look like a, an insect of some sort and nobody seems to care. Um, yeah. So I can only see that uh, becoming... Uh, or the the envelope, so to speak, getting pushed further and further. I have another uh, company that is constantly retargeting me. I think it's called uh, Woofer or something like that, but it's a vest. It's a haptic Mm -hmm. vest that... Oh, um, yeah, I know which one you mean. Yeah, they can uh, translate what you're experiencing into... Uh, your, your your body feeling it mm-hmm. usually you know if you went to a concert and you feel the bass of uh, the concert you feel the music that's really what this product was designed to do but clearly it could be extended to anything in the in the mm-hmm. metaverse certainly from a gaming standpoint but you know just overall the, the whole concept of haptic um, clothing and apparel is really in its infancy. Um, and you can certainly see companies like Nike uh, being leaders in the, the development and the ownership of the patents to uh, deliver those experiences from a virtual world. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what are the barriers for entry for, for, for any, any company? You know, what do they need to have in order to, to start offering you know, virtual products online in the metaverse? In many ways, I think that the um, there's never been a more democratic system of introducing new product uh, to the masses uh, because creators are only limited by their creativity. Um, the whole idea of a decentralized marketplace uh, gives anyone who can come up with a concept uh, the ability to reach millions of people with that concept. And if there's a market for it, then they can get rich really fast or certainly make it worth their time. And I think that's really just now being defined. The market is still very young, uh, not only literally, but uh, it's still being defined. What kind of persona is going to be attracted to these products, these experiences, um, what kind of categories evolve from it? Um, I think there are a ton of questions that are, are, are to be answered. What I do know is there's a lot of corporate interest because they believe that there is a long-term market for this world of products. Now, if, if brands buy into this, right? If brands say, you know what, I'm with Nike, I see a big opportunity there. How should they incorporate the metaverse into their strategy for the future? You know, what I'm advising my clients is that they first focus on their physical products, their existing customers, and identify ways that the metaverse can augment the experience they already provide, not replace it. I think that brands who start to ignore what got them there, 
uh, are going to uh, alienate their existing customers and, and probably do a disservice to the brands they've created. So first and foremost, look to build upon, do no harm, uh, to borrow from the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, first, do no harm. And then the next phase will be companies that are native to the metaverse. And they need to think about things that are uniquely provided in a virtual world and not try to beat the Nikes of the world at, uh, at their own game that they've proven very successful at. So maybe that does take the form of categories of product that don't exist yet. I don't know, just randomly my brain popped up with music you can smell. You know, that's something that doesn't exist today. It sounds completely nonsensical. But in a virtual world, you could imagine a place where, you know, somebody mixes the right mix of essential oils that you smell at the right time during while music playing, that maybe it can create music you can smell. But my point in saying something's are ridiculous is we just don't know what's going to be out there and that the entrepreneurs of the future are going to come up with these ideas, are going to catch lightning in a bottle and make a lot of money coming up with things that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, hearing that it sounds like there's, there's actually great opportunity for even lesser known brands if they start to embrace and, and engage in the metaverse early on to kind of potentially even build a much greater following there than they potentially have in the real world. And that could then reversely kind of come back here into real world where actually real products could be bought in addition to the, um, the virtual products they're selling uh, in the metaverse. Absolutely. And, and really what, what's going to happen is if you flash back to where Amazon started, um, Amazon started as a platform for themselves to sell things. Um, what Amazon is today is because they made it easier for anyone to sell something and, and to sell it to millions of people. I think the future of the metaverse is going to be defined by a similar platform or infrastructure provider. Maybe it's Apple, maybe it's Google, maybe it's a company that we haven't heard of yet. But the key is going to be that they're able to unify and translate virtual product from one platform to another. Meaning, if you buy the proverbial virtual Gucci bag on Fortnite, your character, your avatar will be able to share that value or that product on Roblox, for example, or you know, whatever other metaverses evolve over time. The point being is the transferability of product across multiple platforms is going to be the turning point. And the company or companies that enable that transferability, the portability, are going to be the next Amazon. Now then, before we come to the end of today's podcast episodes, um, are there any brands you are watching in the metaverse? And is any, anyone doing it right or wrong? I don't think there's a right or wrong yet. I think we've, we've brought up some good examples of companies who've been early adopters, investors. What's ironic is that, uh, you know, you don't often think of luxury brands as early movers. They're low risk. They've been around 100 years. They don't need to take risks, but they've been very active. 
and particularly their holding companies, in making investments here. I think that they especially appreciate the value of exchanges in the secondary market as it relates to virtual product. They especially appreciate the value that NFTs can provide in protecting uh, authenticity or tracing the sustainable manufacturing of high-end product. Um, I think those have been some of the early use cases for luxury brands to get involved in the virtual space and NFTs in general. But everything has a cost. And you know, currently, the power required to support the blockchain is certainly a, a downside to this, I guess, emergence or this uh, new world. Um, but I think that those problems are going to be addressed. And eventually, we are going to have brands that cross over brands that exist solely within a virtual space, brands that are digitally native that extend into a physical world. Then thank you for joining me on the Performance Developed Podcast uh, and sharing your knowledge on how retail brands need to approach opportunities in the metaverse. Now, if people want to find out more about you and Scalefast, how can they get in touch? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to, to be available through LinkedIn. My uh, LinkedIn handle is dbrewster. Uh, and my Twitter handle is at Marketing Endeavor, M-K-T-G-E-N-D-A-V-O-R. Uh, and I'm happy to talk more about this subject. It's something that uh, I've become very passionate about. I'm anxious to see how it evolves over the next few years. And then ScaleFast is uh, a solution for companies who want to take advantage of, of growth in this space. Uh, we are an end-to-end e-commerce solution provider for physical products today, but um, we've really built a unique platform that handles virtual and physical products uh, in the shopping cart very seamlessly for, uh, as it turns out, gaming publishers. So this is an area that we're, we're very uh, bullish about. You can find well, us at scalefast.com. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance of the Web podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.